from the Lake Erie shores of Northeast Ohio. Cleveland! Cleveland is a city of champions once again. Rock and roll capital of the world and birthplace of the comic book superhero. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This is the Panel Scanners Podcast since 2012. And welcome to the Panel Scanners, episode 100. Wow, why? Oh my goodness. How? So... This is, this is pretty incredible. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. A little over seven years ago, Darren ran into me at a Target and said, Hey, Phil, I seem to remember. Oh, we went to college together. Yeah. Finishing up our education degrees. His, his master's, mine, my uh, bachelor's. And, and how messed up is it that I was doing a master's degree, uh-huh. you were doing your bachelor's, yet we were in the same class? Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? That's a weird thing that they had going on at Kent. Yeah, it is. Regardless, a little over seven years I'm ago... I'm a lo- loyal Golden Flash. Just no, uh, yeah. no disservice same to anyone, but it was a little bit strange. It was strange. So Darren approaches me in a Target and says, Hey, I seem to remember you and I talking briefly about comic books. I had this idea to do this podcast. Was it that first time we ran into each it other? It was I the first it? time. You are like, would you be willing to meet another guy... Uh, and I thought that we had chatted. I don't remember. That's funny. We talked. We chatted briefly, and soon after that conversation, in the same same conversation, really, you mentioned the podcast. And would I be? Would, could I warm up to the idea of doing this? And if so, would I be willing to meet another guy and uh, kind of talk about it? And we met up at. Oh man, I don't remember the place. Someplace in Cuyahoga Falls. It was a. Uh, it was a bar that we we talked about. That's right. I do remember that now. Yes, and you introduced our me. Our old buddy Johnny. To, uh, yeah, our, our old co-host Johnny, and we just kind of talked comics, and we decided it was a good fit. And on July 22nd, 2012, we posted our first episode. Yeah, I remember we did a, um, a now lost, I bet I still have it, uh, a pilot episode, so to speak. Oh, yeah. We, and it was, and we, and it did, it went okay. Yeah. So we decided, and we knew there was, there was going to be some growing pains. I had wanted to do a podcast, and I had actually done a few podcasts before we started the panel scanners. Um, and they were the ill-fated, um, Cleveland sports podcasts, and they, I was not running them. And that's not to say anything, but uh, I it, w- it got to a point where I would show up as I show up for these. Yes. Pretty well informed, and I think I was kind of the only one who was doing that. And then it was, oh, I don't really feel like doing the podcast today. And then it was, I think that happens a lot. Um, and so I was really keen on doing one. And I, I, back in 2012, I sort of identified what I perceived as a bit of a lack of comic book-specific content. Okay. So I, I was re- I'm already being a comic book lover for my entire life. I was keen on doing this anyway, and I remembered our conversations when we were in that. I, I don't remember the class. I don't remember the teacher. Uh, it um, was it was definitely an education course. I, I vaguely I, remember the professor. I don't at all. <laughs> it was I, a long time ago. But Darren. that was you know I was doing the MAT. So that yeah. was 63 credit hours in 15 months for me. That's, that's so, I mean, I, I, I was like, I got a day of that class. I'm like, great, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. But, yeah, I mean, this has been, I can't believe we're still here And I mean, and the, to some degree. It, well, the, the crazy thing, we were talking about this off mic before we even started, that I was not reading comic books anymore when we started. I wasn't either. 
I was on a, I was on one of the few hiatuses I ever had, and those because I was in grad school. I was in a very long hiatus because of just not having money during college and just never really right. coming back to it. Same here. But your knowledge, your your bait knowledge base is pretty. I, I had I had a decent. I would say decent knowledge. My knowledge has grown significantly since we started oh, this sure. due to the research and the yeah. Even the, mine has the retro reviews and listening to you talk. I know so much more about DC than I probably ever would, and you guys just kind of poured things into my head and I learned a lot and I've read a lot and I think it's been a really cool adventure so far. You know, and, and this is not saying anything against you. It's kind of against the city of Cleveland for not putting it out there. When we started this podcast, you had no idea that Superman was created no. by two Clevelanders. And that's nothing against you. That's just like the the city of Cleveland has never... It's finally starting to come around, and that's with the good people over at the Schuster Society, Siegel and Schuster Society, that we're going to have the statue. But before then, no one knew that. It was but, it was so it wasn't celebrated. But to be fair, my knowledge even even with any of this stuff before we started was I knew who Stan Lee was. Sure. There we um. Todd McFarlane. Yeah, he was kind of a rock star in the '90s. Yeah, that's about that's about. He kind of had a crossover uh, appeal. Yeah, and Chris Chris Claremont because that was my well, first yeah. run with X Men. But other than that, Good legendary run. You, I couldn't tell you who wrote half of the things I did. I can tell you who did the art for half of the things that I was reading. I can pretty much tell you now the books I'm currently reading, who's writing them, who's and, and I think you've sort of come around to my way of thinking that comic books may be the best form of entertainment. I think it's a very cool thing, and and it is. It's a nice way to approach it, and a deep level of enjoyment. I never thought I would gush over a writer or follow a writer to different books or an artist to different books just because I see their name on the cover. That's a different approach for me. When I was pre-panel scanners, I would say, ooh, Spider-Man. His character. Jump after it, yeah. But now I'm like Scotty Young, Donny Cates, Rick Remender. I have these names now right. that I will chase because I know that I'm going to get at least a decent story. And and that's such a big thing. And like Jerome Pena, I know I'm going to have beautiful splash pages. And I, it's a weird thought process. It, it is. is. And I, I like it. <coughs> you know, it's funny. One thing I want to mention before we uh, proceed with uh, episode 100 here at the Panel Scanners is amongst my early... Uh, ideas for a podcast. I did a bunch of test shows for something that uh, I couldn't make happen, one of which was with our co-host, Tim. Um, so I think I sort of warmed him up to the idea that this is something I had been doing, and I had been doing it. Um, and then I told him that we had been producing this podcast. Never really bothered to wonder if he was listening, but he knew I was into it and I was working on it. So when we asked him to join us in May of two years ago, I think that it's been two years. Yeah, it's wow. really has. He's, he, he's he's been around for two years now, and he is. Uh, we our show is so packed tonight. We told him we don't need you. Stay home. We don't have any room for you. <laughs> um, no, but uh, Tim's unable to be here tonight. Sadly, we had tried to work this out a billion different ways, and it finally just fell the way it's falling tonight with Phil and I. Um, but Tim is on assignment, is what we like to say. Yeah, and I assume that he is preparing for our first ever. Batman special, which will stand in for our Halloween special in October. Now, it's hard to believe, to me, that we're here sitting in episode 100 of the Panel Scanners, and we've never done a Batman special. Um, so, it's uh, we're going to do that in October, and uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming. Uh, but before we proceed, there's two other things I want I need to mention. Okay. 
a couple of months ago when we did our most disappointing uh, it was after we celebrated I don't know if celebrate is the right word observed the anniversary of Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace we ended up talking about the things that most disappointed us and of course the conversation eventually turned around to Man of Steel Mm -hmm. I quoted Neil Adams um, in his critique of the Man of Steel, especially the mind-numbingly odd choice to have Jonathan Kent sacrifice himself to save the dog, which was supposed to provide Superman with some sort of motivation. I forgot to attribute that quote to Neil Adams. I went back and listened to the episode, and I didn't. So I just wanted to put that, I forget what podcast he was on when I heard him say, and I actually believe I I, I mentioned, his, I said his his quote verbatim, and then I think we ended up switching topics, and I just, I forgot to attribute that quote to him. I'm just covering my bases. Also, a programming note uh, from episode 99, which was basically Tim and I running down all of the news that was leading into and during San Diego Comic-Con, we mentioned a couple of times that we were getting ready to talk about our top ten favorite theme park attractions with a special guest. Well, that podcast ran way long. <laughs> it ran almost three hours. I certainly was not anticipating that, so I had to break it up into three parts. You're going to hear our top ten theme park attractions with our special guest. It's Don't freak out. It's my daughter, Lily. It's a child. I mean, theme parks, kid. We, I, She wanted. She was so excited. I put her on the show. Um, I'm easily replaced. Very much so. You were replaced by an 11-year-old girl, mm-hmm. and no one noticed. Um, that'll be uh, later this month. Okay. All right. right. So that'll be coming up. Parts one and two of episode 101 will be the our top ten theme park attractions. So, Phil, are you ready to intro this thing? Are we getting ready to go? Yeah, yeah so... What do you got, Phil? I, I just kind of, before we even jump into the while we were away, I, I wanted to just kind of talk about going forward in this episode that it, it's apropos that it's you and me. From the very beginning, yep. you know, we've both been here, and we're going to kind of look back to things... Uh, that we've done throughout this show. So after the while we were away, we're going to talk about our favorite things for uh, this podcast and looking I'm forward. I'm excited, yeah. However, we do need to talk about what's actually going on right now, and we're going to start with talking about the Eisner Awards. Now, there are a lot. I don't know if you've ever looked at the list. It's pretty easy. Google Eisner Award Yeah, winners. I've covered them in the previous yeah. years. So I ended I up with it this it. time. So That's why I gave it to you. <laughs> I'm going to approach it a little bit differently than you do. Instead of listing everything that is there, I'm going to... Oh, I never listed everything that uh, was right. there. I'm going to l- talk about the, the different possible categories okay i will point at things that i know for a fact that we are reading and then the things that actually won okay yes so we're going to start with best short story we are not reading any of these so there's that okay uh the talk of the saints by tom king and jason fabach uh it's was in the swamp thing winter special was the winner for the best short story for this year uh neither one of us is reading swamp thing so that makes sense. Best single issue one shot. The winner is something that is being read, which is Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 310 by ah. Chip Now, this issue, uh, I actually went back to it and read it again after I saw this today. It is a beautiful piece about going through New York City and interviewing different people that have been affected by Spider-Man. So, what is Spider-Man to you as far as being a menace, being a superhero? And it's, it's so well done. There's this great 
scene of, um, oh no, no, I can't remember who it was, but two supervillains, I know, I know one is, uh, Green Goblin, uh, flowing through the city, like, blowing it up, I think it's Green Goblin and Sandman, and it's over top of a hot dog cart, and you see Spider-Man at the bottom pulling the, the hot dog seller away from the danger, and in the side-by-side panel, he's sitting on top of the hot dog cart, eating a hot dog, talking to the guy. Oh. So it's kind of like a before and after, like, this is a terrible thing, and this is what Spider-Man has done for me. It's a beautiful, beautiful issue and well-deserved. May I interject something? Yes, sir. I saw something last night. Uh-oh. need you to lean in a little closer. Hey. I am touching Phil's shoulder. He is. Hey. You don't know what that's from? So you saw Spider-Verse finally? I did. And? Lily and I watched it last night. It was awesome. I told you. I loved it. it if if Homecoming hadn't come out very easily, the best rendition of Spider-Man. Yeah, I, got, I admit, I'm not... I really didn't engage with Miles Morales. I've commented many times in the podcast how awesome it is that that actually worked. Um, but I totally... Now I... Now I get it. Yeah. Now I get why people are fine with him being Spider-Man. That film is... And there's a sequel coming, so... I'm, I laughed <laughs> so hard at the closing end credit scene. Oh, yeah, with uh, Spider-Man 2099. And then Spider-Man 66. Yes. Don't point at me, that's rude. You're the pointing at me. Very so good. Funny. So good. Uh, so good, you finally saw it. I'm so proud of you. Uh, but yes, that Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man, I might want to lend it to you, Darren. I think you'd okay. really appreciate it. Uh, I should have brought it with me tonight. Okay, best continuing series. Uh, Batman is on the list, uh, attributed to Tom King. However, the winner is Giant Days by John Allison, Max Saren, and Julia Madrigal. Have you read Giant Days at all? No. It's about a group of college girls kind of starting their college career, and it's, it's just kind of following them, um, just living life. It's kind of a, a slice-of-life type story. I've read the first eight volumes because it was free when you do the comicsology whatever it is the okay. unlimited and i read them just in passing last year and it's fantastic it's a good little read uh hmm. nothing nothing phenomenal no big superhero fights none of that crazy yeah this list has some some depth to it you just saw me turn a page um okay best limited series uh batman white knight is on there oh um, very good yeah. yeah uh the winner is mr miracle by tom king and mitch jared's I've heard nothing but good things about it. I almost bought that on eBay, and I, it got a little bit um, pricey for me. Jason from Carolyn John's been trying to force me into it, and I keep turning it down. Uh, best new series, uh, Isola, which I've been reading by Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw's on there. Uh, the winner was Gideon Falls. It's a Jeff Lemire book. I'm not surprised. Uh, not reading it, though, because there's only so much time. Best digital comic. I'm not really reading anything straight digital. I don't think you are either, Darren. Nope. Uh, the winner was Umami by Ken Nomura. Uh, best webcomic. Again, I'm not a big webcomic guy because I read a lot of other comics. Uh, the winner was The Contradictions by Sophie Yano. Uh, I said that really wrong. Sorry. Best writer. So there are a lot of people on this list that would be familiar. Uh, Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Thompson, um, Jeff Lemire. But the winner was Tom King. For his current run on Batman, Mr. Miracle, Heroes in Crisis, Swamp Thing, Winter Special. Uh, the best writer slash artist was Jen Wang for The Prince and the Dressmaker. Have you heard of that? No. Neither have I, which I need to look into. Uh, Inker Penciler, uh, Mitch Jarrods is the, is the winner. 
did Mr. Miracle. Uh, Carl Kershaw for Isola is also on there. Best cover artist, uh, Jen Bartel for Blackbird was the winner. Uh, Nick Derringer on Mr. Miracle and Carl Kershaw are on there as well. Um, and Julian Tedesco for Hawkeye and Life of Captain Marvel. You're going to hear a lot of Mr. Miracle. It seems like one of us should be reading this book. Absolutely. Um, best coloring. I'm skipping all those people other than Matt Wilson for Black Cloud and Paper Girls. Paper Girls is supposed to also be very, very, very good. Um, best painter. Uh, Dustin for Descender. Going to say his last name. People aren't coming to us for phonetic accuracy, so relax. Best letterer, Todd Klein. Best academic scholarly work was um, Sweet Little, <clears throat> the graphic work of Julie Doucette. I had to edit that because we are trying to be somewhat family friendly. It's the big old C word. Anyway, so that is, all the, right, I've heard yeah, that one. <laughs> that is the rundown of, uh, of all of the... Eisner, oh, I man, went we got a it. couple of things in there. Yeah, That's pretty good. I went there really quickly, and uh, some of the things that were nominated, we actually, I, I went a little faster. It's a deep list. Uh, I just wanted to make sure the winners were out there, even if I butchered their names. But there, there is a lot there. There's well, if you're lot. looking for recommendations, that is where you begin. For sure. And I mean, like I said, there's some stuff on there, and I, it seems I should probably bite the bullet and finally buy that Mr. Miracle trade. I just... I read too much, man. We'll get back to that later. Now, probably the biggest story coming out of San Diego Comic-Con because the Eisner Award winners are announced at San Diego Comic-Con. Yes, sir. Was something that... Yeah, that I will Even there about. was an element of this that I almost lost my mind over. The Marvel I Cinematic we'll Universe dropped their Phase 4 plans and who boy are they a doozy? I'm going to run through them very quickly. As and there's one specifically. I think you know um, which one. We're going to stop... I and, want to talk about. Yeah, we're going to stop and talk about a couple of them, but... We'll stop when we get to him. First is Black Widow. That's our next movie. It's in 2020. Uh, it obviously takes past, takes place in the past, um, which Why? is interesting. I don't know. You need to see Endgame. Oh, anyway, yeah. uh, The Eternals is soon after that in 2020. The movie that Darren is most excited about, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yes. I want to talk about that when you're done. Uh, okay. You want to circle back to it or you want to talk about it now? I'm ready. Let's talk about I it I want to show you something. Hold on. Uh-oh. Darren is handing me comics. I just handed Master Phil Kung Fu. the Master of Kung Fu. Giant that, size. No, uh, yeah, um, from the 70s. And I had almost completely forgotten about Shang-Chi. Um, now, here's the thing. I am almost positive those are the ones I had. We'll go ahead and take pictures of these and post them on our Instagram page. That is most certainly going to be... One of my retroactive reviews. Probably shortly before the movie. I'll invite you, of course, you being the Marvel guy. Yeah. And the MCU guy to join me on that. But Those are going to skyrocket in price, oh, too, Oh, sure. Way. That's why I went and found them quickly. <laughs> um, when we were texting, when I, I you sent me that screenshot, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, yeah, th those are looking pretty cool. And then I, I didn't notice the Shang-Chi because I kind of get why they didn't say Master of Kung Fu. Yeah. It's a little bit kitschy. But I'm like, that can't be the same Shang-Chi. I had assumed that he was going to show up in Iron Fist. And then I heard he wasn't, and then I was relieved he wasn't. Hey, season um, two is better than season one. Okay, fine. All right, you're not, I'm not going to watch it, Phil. So it's not worth it. It's canceled anyway. Yeah. So I kind of went and I did a little research, and I'm so excited about this. And you know what? And it, and it sent me down this spiral of getting these comics from the 70s. So, I mean, 
All right, so what age of movies are we in right now? What do you mean, like... What age? I mean, so, it's we're in the superhero age of movies, where yeah. superheroes are the most popular, they're the ones that are most frequently in production. So Hollywood is kind of built on these ages, so I'd say right now we're in the superhero age, right? What would you say was, so let's just call it, I know, give or take a few years, 2010 to now is the age of the superhero. That's of course, they were, they were produced before that, but not every month like they are now. Yeah, that's insane. Um, so we're in the age of the superhero. My estimation is the, the raunchy teen comedy was like 2000 to 2010. They were like coming out like hotcakes. What do you, would you say the 90s was? Probably like kitschy action films. Exactly. I would agree with you 100% yeah. kitschy action films. What about the 80s? Oh, man. I, I, the 80s make me think of like lampoon comedies. Lampoon comedies for sure, or horror. Okay. Like horror yeah, movies from I'll the 80s. Like horror, 1980s horror movies may be the greatest movie genre of all time. Now, what about the 70s? I wasn't born yet, Darren. I know you weren't. So now, I, I'm going to go back before I was born, too. Oh, boy. I don't know. The 70s would be... I, I honestly don't know. Maybe... Uh, so I'll help you out here. Unless you want to go ahead and take take a stab at it, I I don't know. Go ahead. Kung fu movies okay. in the seventies where that was kind of like the kung fu movies were the thing in the sixties. More western. Exactly. What about the fifties? I honestly couldn't tell. No, the sword and sandal epics like okay. your Ten Commandments, your Vikings, your okay. Ben Hur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the the forty the thirties and forties, it was like the gangster pictures. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I grew up. I was born in the seventies during the kung fu craze okay now obviously i'm too young because i was born in the mid-70s to participate in it but then think about when i am now a consumer of media in the 80s these are the movies that are on television every saturday afternoon late night television they're all kung fu movies and what are the comic books that i'm finding all over the place at yards they're all the master of kung fu and that's where i got the you know tomb of dracula that's why i want to still go out and find the werewolf by night is because those are the comics that i was getting for you know, a box of them for a quarter, yeah. okay? And they were beat up and they were ripped up, but I read them anyway. And I, and it was one of those things that back then they were so beat up and they were so used. I mean, and of course I'm like six. Mm -hmm. So I'm not thinking ahead and saving them. So I'm reading them and I'm learning how to draw from them. And I, and I remembered like reading Master of Kung Fu completely out of order. I would have like issue 40 or something like that. That's why you read comics as a kid though, right? Of course. Yeah. I mean, you just, you, I mean, of course I was still, I was getting some of the newer ones, but what filled the gap between, you know, issues of Teen Titans or Superman or uh, X-Men or Spider-Man were the garage sales where you picked up a box of random issues for a quarter and you're just leaving through them. And that's how I discovered, like I said, uh, Master of Kung Fu and Shang-Chi. So, when I saw this, that just felt like one of those Marvel characters, like, oh, yeah. I mean, I loved it as a kid, but it was more like, oh, yeah, Shang-Chi. I, I read a couple of those issues, so, and I'm, I'm almost positive I looked through one of these, one of them I had, and it was one of my favorite issues that eventually I just threw away. So, when I saw that, I remember texting you, like, wait a second, I don't know how I missed it, but is that Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu? So they're actually doing a movie they are? about Master of Kung Fu. I cannot wait, and I can't believe it. And yes, this absolutely motivates me because he is connected, right? This isn't At like all, a—it's all connected. Well, yeah. right. So I mean, I don't know I know that, but um, I think it's going to bleed right into Doctor Strange. This absolutely motivates me. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't resisting catching up, oh, but no, now it now provides me like, all right, it's time to get started on this. So. That uh, it's probably of all the Marvel movies that have come out, 
that's the one I'm that's most crazy. looking forward to. It's crazy because you missed Spider Man. Oof. I Both saw the of first them. one. No, oh, I saw, saw the first one. Homecoming's the, the last one I saw. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, regardless, after Shang Chi, which Taryn is obviously very excited for, uh, is the second Doctor Strange movie, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Ma- Ooh. Yeah, that subtext makes me kind of excited. Uh, and the last movie, oh, sorry, that's 2021 also. And the last movie that they currently announce, and probably the end of Phase 4, is Thor, Love and Thunder, which uh, is also 2021, and that's going to be Jane Foster as Thor. Big announcements about that. That's huge, because that's Jason Aaron's run of, uh, you know, Thor Odinson not being Thor. So it's going to be really interesting. I don't know how I feel about Natalie Portman. I'm really not sure, especially... Her rendition of Jane Foster previously in these Thor movies has not been my favorite. So, but I have faith. I have absolute faith. I have not been let down yet. And uh, isn't there the director, Taika Waititi, is returning, right? Yes, he is. Which, that's not hurting the cause whatsoever. Anybody who saw Ragnarok knows. So is, your question, and I, I, want, I bet some of our audience members, our listeners have it. Yeah. Is uh, Hemsworth done with Thor then? No, he's with the Guardians. Everyone okay. knows this. Oh, wait, you didn't see Endgame. So, no. Fair yeah, enough. He's in space right now, so most most assumedly he's still with the Guardi- Guardians at that point. Um, on top of the giant movie announcements, they're like, hey, hey guys, you know how we're going to release Disney Plus? Oh, here are all the shows that we're going to be dropping on that that are tied to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Falcon and Winter Soldier is the first in uh, 2020. Makes sense that they'd only have one, considering Disney Plus launches in November. Uh, WandaVision, early 2021. Loki, soon after that in 2021. The one I'm most excited for, an animated What If. That sounds awesome. TV show voiced by the cast of the movies for their characters. Fantastic. And I don't know if you heard about this one. Hawkeye. From Yeah, you told me about this uh, last time we were here. Yeah, so there's a lot of things bouncing around about it. Uh, the big thing everybody wants, myself included would be a light rendition of the David Fraction one. Matt Fraction, sorry, David Aya. Matt Fraction, David Aya run, uh, which oh, if you haven't read, so that's, just, that's just a crime. So if... if, if I know, I, it, the only criticism I ever heard is like, it's just Green Arrow from the 70s. I'm like, yeah, but it's better. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Anyhow, it's so good. Uh, that is Marvel Cinematic Universe's Phase 4. So if you're a counting person, that is 10 things for Phase 4. That's insane. Yeah, that... It's in over cool. two years, Darren. Over two years. That's five movies, five shows. In two years. That's well, they better, they better hope this uh, superhero bubble doesn't burst. <laughs> well, I mean, it's looking pretty good, considering well, yeah. the news that is following this is that Endgame has now passed Avatar as... The most grossest, well, I can't use words, highest, highest grossing, grossing film, film of all time. Which, I don't know the exact number. Which is a bit misleading. It is. Um, I don't, I think that accounts for inflation. No. It does not? No. It's, it's simply dollars. Simply dollars. And they did cheat a little bit because they re-released Endgame with some extra. Well, they're also, you know what though? The re-releases of Star Wars count. So that, uh, I don't, that doesn't bother me. Okay. Now, I did look something up, yes. unless you have more to add. No, I didn't really um, get time to... I, I tried to... Now, this comes from that. CNBC on July 22nd. 
And the very complicated algorithm to mm-hmm. adjust for inflation, what they tried to do was just go with ticket sales. Okay. Okay? So I got the top ten for you. Coming in at number ten is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Um, 1937. Number nine is The Exorcist in 1973. Number eight is Dr. Zhivago in 1965. Really? Number seven is Jaws, 1975. Number six is The Ten Commandments, 1956. Number five is Titanic, 1997. Number four is E.T. the Extraterrestrial, 1982. Number three is The Sound of Music in 1965. Number two is Star Wars in 1997. 77, excuse me. And number one, which is always the one that's listed for any form of inflation, is Gone with the Wind, 1939. So if you count simple ticket sales... um, I didn't really see if they listed where Endgame falls, but it doesn't crack the top ten. But now, if you go around and you look, um, if you look at other lists that um, adjust for inflation, prior to its re-release, I saw it as low as 44th, um, and I've seen it as high as 5th. So, I specifically tried to look up the thing that came closest to straight ticket sales, which is the number of people that went and saw the films. And if you think about it, Gone with the Wind, man. I mean, 1939, and it's still... And I guess it's... uh, All right, so let me look at this here. It's Star Wars is number two with an estimated 178.1 million tickets sold. And then Gone with the Wind would be an estimated 201 um, million tickets sold. So the adjusted gross is $1.81 billion for Gone with the Wind, $1.6 for Star Wars. That's crazy. Um, so I always found, like, yeah, of course it's going to beat out these because it costs a quarter mm-hmm. to go see, you know, Gone with the Wind, maybe two bucks to see Star Wars. It costs almost, in, like, California, it's like $25 to go see Endgame. So... You know, I always look towards ticket sales, the number of people actually paid to go see it as opposed to adjusted gross. However, nevertheless, it's that's big. That's saying a lot, considering we used to hang our heads in shame when we like brought comic books out in front of strangers. Oh, yeah. So I mean, it, it's a very different thing. And as long as these movies keep being that good, and I mean, so far, one has come out afterward, which was the Spider-Man um, Far From Home, which still quite a good movie. Yeah, it doesn't do seem s- to be ending. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it appears as strong as ever. I am very curious to see how, I mean, is it reasonable to assume that ticket sales are going to drop off now that some of the marquee characters are gone? Um, because if you get to another Avengers, which uh, Avengers, which I'm assuming they will, let's just say, and this is all hypothetical, um, you won't have Iron Man, at least you won't have Robert Downey Jr., it doesn't seem like you'll have Chris Evans as Captain America. He's done with Cap. Yeah, so it, it, it's you would assume it's going to take a hit. Um, I mean, I as much as I love Shang Chi, I don't see him moving as much merchandise as Captain no. America. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this uh, plays out going forward. I I have high expectations for it to continue. I mean, I don't think ticket sales the the ticket sales for Avengers movies are always the highest, regardless. Um, and if you even look at those Captain America movies, it hasn't been a true just Captain America movie since the first one. It's been more of like an Avengers movie. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So, we'll see. We'll see. I don't think it's going to lose anything. I think that they have done a 
very good job so far surprising us with characters that we did not think would bring a good film. Uh, Ant-Man is, is key. I mean, look at that. How many people were iffy on that? Black Panther, how many people were like, ah, oh, there's, you know, it can't be... It can't be as good as Captain America, and the movie was fantastic. There's Fair a lot enough. there, so we'll see. We'll see. All right, now from one superhero universe to another, um, the Arrowverse. I know you don't follow this. Nope. In, in, in point of fact, I haven't either for a couple of years. <laughs> it's hard to, man. Um, but boy, oh boy, they are really, to, to borrow a cliche, pulling out all of the stops for their upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earth translation. Point of fact, in here in episode 100, we I will be doing a Crisis on Infinite Earth's retroactive review. Um, Brandon Routh, who played Superman in 2006 Superman Return and plays uh, Ray Palmer the Atom in the Arrowverse, is going to appear as the Kingdom Come Superman in this year's crossover event. That's not all. Burt Ward, you know who he is, right? Mm -hmm. He is Robin from Batman 66, will also appear um, in the Crisis on Infinite Earths. As Robin? Well, that's not, that, that is con assumed that's what's going to happen, not confirmed. Uh, Ralph is confirmed, though. Uh, Stephen Amell, who plays Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, has tweeted out multiple times that if he can have one person show up. He wants Tom Welling, who played Clark Kent in Smallville, to appear. They've already acknowledged the Smallville universe exists. The They announced that scripting duties have been partially handed over to Marv Wolfman, who is the original writer for Crisis on Infinite Earths. More on that in a, in a little bit. But the big news that came out this week, Bruce Wayne will appear and they're not they haven't confirmed Batman but they have absolutely confirmed Bruce Wayne is going to appear in Crisis on Infinite Earths and he will be played by Kevin Conroy really yes that's crazy yes so the longtime voice actor of Batman is going to appear as Bruce Wayne Batman the Animated Series. He's the Arkham. He's the voice of Batman in the Arkham video mm -hmm. games. He's done it in countless other incarnations. So the obvious rumor is one of two things. He is the Kingdom Come Batman, or they're acknowledging the Batman Beyond universe in this. So the really, I feel like from my count, the only universes that they are not acknowledging so far in, in, is the current DC Cinematic Universe. Oh, well, big loss. And there's and they still never really confirmed. They haven't acknowledged the DC television, the DC universe, television or the streaming service shows such as Titans, Doom Patrol, and Swamp Thing. They haven't said that they're acknowledging that. But Batman sixty six, Christopher Reeve Superman, Smallville, um, Batman Beyond, even the animated shows they're bringing those to Life Kingdom Come. They're acknowledging all of this exists. Um, so I don't know, man. I, 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 if Tim were here tonight, I don't know if he, I'm sure he's heard about Kevin Conroy. I would imagine that he is at least now signing up to watch Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, I mean, is that going to be enough to draw you back in? Yes, it is. In yeah. fact, I started catching up with Arrow. Um, I'm too far behind to even consider it. Well, no, yeah, it's, yeah. They're, they're getting ready to close out season eight, and that's it for them, for Arrow anyway. Uh, real quickly, 
Doom Patrol, something I gushed about. It is confirmed for season two. It's also going to be it's going to be on the DC Universe streaming service and HBO, whatever their streaming services. Young Justice has also been confirmed for season four. I know Tim's going to be excited about that. And that's on the DC. Also on the DC Universe streaming service. Well, there's another streaming service coming also. Yes, there is. Which is Disney Plus, which is officially coming in November. And they have now announced, I think November 17th, if I am not mistaken. Yes, yeah, sounds right. That sounds right. I didn't write down the date. Uh, regardless, Disney Plus is going to be available for uh, a really reasonable price. Uh, I believe it was $7.99. And then you can also get it bundled with Hulu with commercials and ESPN for $12.99 a month. Or you can get it for a whole year for $69.99 which is going to be the route that I will be taking because $70 for a year of streaming television sounds very, very, very appealing, especially with the MCU shows on there and all the Star Wars stuff that's going to be on there and all of the Disney back catalog that will be on there. It's big. It's going to be massive. So uh, I'm prepared to gush about that for the next at least year, hopefully, and we'll go from there. All right, so uh, more Disney property. This in the physical realm. Star Wars A Galaxy's Edge. So far, very disappointing numbers. Um, it's been, I'm hearing a lot coming out of Disney that their park attendance numbers are way down. They haven't drawn the amount of uh, traffic they thought they were going to draw for Star Wars A Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. Uh, Star Wars A Galaxy's Edge Disney World opens this month within the next two to three weeks. Um, I think it's the last day of August it actually opens. Um, and they, I guess the, the, the resorts aren't aren't seeing the pickup in traffic. They, so that is good news for any of us who want to go to Disneyland soon because usually that means they've hit their um, point of diminishing returns and are going to drop ticket prices again. Uh, but I don't I, time I'll be going. I, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a little bit surprised that, that the Disneyland, I think people are, I'm just going to take a guess here, Sounds like people are a bit underwhelmed by it. I think, it, but it's not full. It's not done yet. Yeah. Do you think it's a mix between that being underwhelmed, being that something we've talked about that it's more the new Star Wars than the old? I don't want to say that because anytime I do, other people that listen to this podcast that I know just tell me I'm a hater. Fine, you're right. I am, but I, the people I saw, I talked to Disneyland, who had gone to Disneyland when I was at Disney World, mm-hmm. stated. Yeah, Darth Vader's not around there. You see Chewie, which is cool, and R2-D2 and C-3PO. But I think you're onto something there, Phil, without these legacy characters, like the original trilogy characters. And, you know, I know that I was never a fan of those clone troopers, and I know that the prequel, sequel series uh, stormtroopers are much closer to the original stormtroopers. But still, uh, I think there is something to what you're saying. I And... I mean, you also have to think along the lines of who is bringing like people to these parks. It's not, it's not necessarily people that grew up with this stuff. No. And there's always that fear too when you hear that you have to spend a whole day waiting in a line at uh, Universal to get on a Hagrid ride. That maybe people aren't trying to rush to see a new Star Wars exhibit either. I do also think they are underestimating the amount of damage the Last Jedi did. Maybe specifically to Luke Skywalker's character. It's possible. It is. I think it's absolutely possible. Uh, anyway, well. but to another Lucasfilm property. Yeah, so this thing started as Indiana Jones 2020, 
got pushed back another year, so now it's Indiana Jones 2021. There is no actual title for it yet. It's still very much... It's greenlit. It exists. It's slowly getting worked on. There's very, very little information about it other than it's supposedly supposed it's supposedly going to be released on june 9th 2021 um jonathan kasdan has taken on a role he's not necessarily the screenwriter because david cope had it but he's on it technically as that so he might be like cleaning up the script i don't know um kasdan's dad actually wrote raiders of the lost ark yeah, though so and that's empire. Not, yeah an empire so not not necessarily a bad thing um especially if he talks to his dad about it the only definite returner uh, to the property is Harrison Ford. So, sorry any Shia LaBeouf fans out there. It's all good um, news. Yeah, that's good news. Uh, John Williams has said he's going to come back to do the score. And Spielberg has promised, supposedly, that Indiana Jones will survive the movie. We're not going to end just to see him die. Good. So, I, well, from a continuity standpoint, we know he lives to be in his 80s because they did it in young indiana jones but this is I, I'm, I'm excited about it i'm an indiana jones fan i hope this sparks a return for him me i mean me too it, it could be fun i might be setting up like a young indiana jones situation too we don't know there's no information hmm. so we'll see uh other marvel news finally talking about a comic book itself something that's been built up for 10 years launched yesterday um as of recording this which is absolute Carnage, And you read the first issue. I read the first issue last night. Who boy, is this thing going to be good? Uh, Donny Cates is on it. I've said that name a lot on yeah, this podcast. I have as a of feeling late. we'll be talking about him some more. Uh, his Venom run has been incredible, so much so that I believe Tim is finally reading it. It's, it's good. Be. It's good. Uh, a lot of really good setup reaches back to very, very early nods to um, Amazing Spider-Man. There are lots of references to things that have happened throughout. Peter Parker is in it also, along with Eddie Brock, and Cletus Cassidy's back, and it's going to be brutal. Absolute Carnage seems to be the right name for it. Of course, that also means it's a Marvel event, and there are about 90 books that Phil will be buying. However, uh... we'll see. It doesn't matter, Darren, because you won't have to. If you want to read it, I have it, or right. I'll have it. So, I'm a sucker. But, man, man, does it it's it's promising to be something good well i have no segue for this i don't no. know how you move from carnage to star trek but there you go uh tarantino is known for his carnage ah very good i wish i'd have thought of that yeah. well done um there's a bunch of things going on but i'll tell you what star trek for the amount of hits star wars is taking star trek is really coming back strong man i know that uh Discovery Season 1 was met with mixed reviews. I guess Season 2 was much better. Did you end up checking out that trailer for Picard? Yeah, yeah, I did after you... Was I right that it looks like it Firefly? It does look like Firefly. It's weird. <laughs> but it looks good. Yeah. Um, I mean, saying something looks now, like Firefly is not a bad no, thing. No, I and mean, you, you're like, it's Firefly with Captain Picard and Patrick Stewart. You're like, okay. Um, so the trailer for that dropped at comic-con and it it does look pretty fantastic a couple of other things uh rounding out star trek though star trek the f uh, the motion picture the first with the original crew is coming back to theaters in september i am hoping to see that um star trek as directed by quentin tarantino it's as close to being the thing that's going to happen as it's going to get now he cannot stop talking about this i spoke about uh with tim last month um 
in our While We Were Away segment. He's, he's making the rounds for his movie uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so I'm sure he's being asked the question a lot, but he's not shying away from anything. And he, he confirmed that if this happens, it is going to be with the current crew that's in the movie. So the Kelvin timeline crew with Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, um, Carl Urban, and, and Simon Pegg, and what's her name? He, she plays Gamora. Why can't I think of her name oh, off no. the top of my head? Me either. Um, oh, gosh, I can't think Z- of it. Zoe Saldana. Yeah, Unfortunately, Anton Yelchin passed away, and... Uh, so that's the crew he wants to do it with. But the other thing is, is he he was quoted as saying with J.J. Abrams that he doesn't understand this alternate timeline thing, and I guess J.J. Abrams says, don't do it, don't worry about it. So, okay, I mean, if that's what it takes to get a Quentin Tarantino-directed Star Trek film, fine. Is it um, going to end with a bunch of people pointing phasers in each other's faces, about to blow each other's well, heads off? Well, one of the quotes that I don't know if you, if you heard us last month, Tarantino's very annoyed with Simon Pegg. I guess Simon Pegg keeps going around talking about, he doesn't know how much it's going to be, but he says it's not going to be Pulp Fiction in space. And Tarantino says, yes, it is. That's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be Pulp Fiction in space. So, Phil, that may be exactly what happens. Oh, Here again, I don't know what we need to do to get this to happen, but I'm all for it. I, I, I We're going to be talking about this again in a few minutes. Um, now, the timeline, here's the thing. The... Picard timeline takes place 15 to 20 years after the final Next Generation movie, which I can't off the top of my head. Nemesis? That I think I, I had to. Right. I had to look it up. I was I was such a, an original series guy. I just actually I was talking with Tim. I'm now finally watching Star Trek: The Next Generation. Show's all fantastic. the all the way through. I'm, I just finished season two today. I love it. I used to watch them sparingly back me, me then. Me too. I don't think I've ever watched it beginnings no no but that was the great thing because they were all self-contained oh, episodes yeah. you can just watch it here and there whenever you felt like it and mm-hmm. didn't have to worry about it uh it, it, you're right it is an absolutely fantastic show i'm so hooked on it now um but i saw all the movies so it's going to take place but the other thing that people forget the kelvin timeline is connected to the next generation timeline because the narada i think that's the ship that um, Nero pilots comes back from Picard's timeline to attack Vulcan. And in fact, I have an excellent comic called Star Trek Countdown that explains the entire thing. It was awesome. So that that is connected because from what we know, Picard is on the run from Starfleet, which right away you're like, wow, that's cool. And secondly... There's something about him and the destruction of Romulus. Because the destruction of Romulus is the event that occurred leading into Star Trek 2009 that sends um, Nero back to take his vengeance out on Vulcan. So these are all connected. It is pretty cool. I'm excited about it. Um, so that's the timeline stuff. And finally, before we get into our the crux of our show, East of West, which was set up, a comic I've been reading for a while that yeah. just ended it was set up at Amazon it has been cancelled it will not be, can go forward mm. uh, I feel that thing's going to pop up again sometime I don't know it seems like some of the shows are starting to get cancelled Dead to Class only made one season I mean oh did it yeah did you see any of it I did not watch it it's on sci-fi I don't have cable I, I'll see it when it's and inevitably streaming somewhere at some point they're cancelling a lot of the shows that are not mainstream um Happy is canceled after this season. The only thing that's really pushing on that's not 
like a big name is like Legion, and Legion's weird. I don't know if you've watched it. No. It's good, but it's weird. I think I, it's, I'm watching Doom Patrol, which is about the same same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's do this. I'm excited. Yeah. So I guess we can transition some legacy a bit. stuff. Yeah. Here. So we're now going to jump back and kind of talk about some of our favorite things uh, that have appeared since we started this thing. Uh, starting with favorite TV show, movie, or video game since July 2012. Once again. Always need to preface this favorite thing. These are our favorites. That means that they hold some sort of meaning to Darren and I. That doesn't mean they are the best. Best is a very, very dangerous word because everybody has an opinion. Ours are not necessarily right. That's why we lean into favorites. Well, ours are absolutely right because they're our favorites. Yeah. So, again, if you don't agree, you can always make a comment. You can reach out to us. Instagram us. Whatever you like to do. uh, Instagram us. Whatever. Yeah, hit us up on Facebook. Whatever. I would love to know what some of your guys' favorite. Yeah, stuff. me too. So we're going to start with favorite TV show, movie, or video game. I decided to do a TV, a movie, and a video game. Oh, okay. Kind of spread it out like that. Uh, I struggled with this, to be honest with you, Darren, because there was way too much to choose from. Really? So this, depending on the day of the week, could change significantly. Uh, so on these, we're going to do two runners up, and then our absolute favorite. Uh, do you got you, it. Do you want to do runners up first? Yeah. And then we will go to our favorites. Let's All right. So, my two runner up. First TV show, Daredevil. Very good. It could have been my list. I, I, honestly, it it just surprised me with how good it was. I'm talking season one. Oh, it was so good. Uh, I mean, the whole run was good. But season one did something very, very special. It, it kind yeah, of. It did. I loved it. I, it was so good. And do you I, remember? I actually went to work early. Yeah. Because I couldn't wait to watch that, and I texted you at like seven fifteen. Like I just watched the first episode. It's so awesome. And I was like, I'm just getting to work. What's wrong with you? I've been here for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, it was good, and it, it's just one of those things that if you had told me it was going to exist, there's no way. And when I was thinking of TV since 2012, that was kind of the thing that that surprised me. Uh, and really became, like, my favorite thing because it got me watching all those shows. It made me suffer through Iron Fist. It made me want to see where the Defenders was going. It's a shame that they all got canceled. But we'll see what happens with that property. We may I, see them again. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking it's all gone. Uh, and the movies, this was another huge struggle for me. I sat back and I thought, because it has to be an MCU movie, right? Of like, course. It has to be. Almost was Spider-Verse, which is not MCU. It was almost Spider-Verse. I was very, very close to calling that. However, Captain America's Civil War is the film that jumped out to me. Yeah, that was... I saw that. It was the first appearance of Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is a ridiculous sentence to say out loud. First appearance of a superhero in a movie. So, but just the whole way... that, That whole movie, the way it was put together, I don't... Out of all... Out of all of the MCU movies, I don't think I walked out of a theater with as big of a smile on my face as I did after Civil War because of how well they integrated every last one of those superheroes, Ant-Man, Spider-Man, all these other people that have just kind of popped up in these other movies and finally tossed together before an Avengers movie. They just felt so, so right. And it just kind of reaffirmed that whole, they can know what they're doing here, don't they, feeling for me. So, Civil War, favorite movie. All right, so one of my first two honorable mentions is Arrow. Not surprised. Um, Now, I'm not going to account for the overall quality of the show. Maybe not the best show. 
But in terms of superheroes on television, perhaps the most important. Seems silly now, but in a post-Smallville world, Arrow became the first superhero to dress like the superhero and call himself the superhero. They built an entire television universe off of Green Arrow. If Warner's DC was trying to have their cinematic universe rival Marvel's, well, let's just say the Arrowverse actually has come much closer than the DCU ever has. And I think you can make a case that if Arrow doesn't work, Maybe Daredevil doesn't exist. My number two. Tim, this one's for me and also for you. Ask me another other day, and this might be my number one for any list we make, Justified. Um, Tim might agree that it is so much fun imagining dropping Raylan Givens into anything we watch, play, or read, and see him wreak Old West-style justice on anyone who dares cross him. Thanos? Lex Luthor, Red Skull, Mr. Nobody, Deathstroke, Mind Flayer, Negan. Do not ask what he's packing. Phil? What year was Justified? Came out in 10, and it ended in 16? Okay, so it, it fit just in there. Okay. Because I, I, I thought it's, I thought it was older than that for some reason. I don't know well, why. We've been around a while now. That's true. <laughs> All right, so my favorite. What do you think it is, Darren? It's a video game, right? Oh, it's got to be. Spider-Man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been so... I, and I mean, I get excited for video games. I don't think I've ever been so excited and pessimistic at the same time about a game coming out. Seeing screenshots of this thing first, I was like, ah, his costume looks stupid. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I should just not. I should just not, because I'm going to be let down. I'm going to be let down. And then they showed Mr. Negative, and I was like, uh-oh, what is this? What's going on here? And then I saw that Vulture was in it. I was like, whoa-oh, I'm done watching any trailers for this. And then I played it. It's so great. And everything about that game is exactly what I wanted from a Spider-Man video game. Are there quips? Yeah, there are quips. Does he know how to do science work? He sure does. Oh, do you get to do some science? Why not? Let's throw some little puzzles in that game. Oh, you want to fight a bunch of thugs and seem like you actually have spider sense? We can do that. Oh, did you like the way that the Arkham games played? We're going to add a little bit to those. Does it make sense that this person is swinging from building to building? Yes, it does, because it's Spider-Man. Do the Does everything seem to flow perfectly well? Yeah. Oh, and on top of everything else, let's give them the most of the costumes that you remember from the comic books. Oh, are you... Oh, you're done. You're done already? Oh, here's some DLC following the black cat. You like that? How about some tombstone? Everything about it. Everything I wanted. It felt like a comic book. So much so that they wrote a comic book following the storyline from the PS4 game. And they're working on another one. Nothing about that makes me sad. I am so unbelievably excited. I love this thing, and it is one of those games... One, it's my first platinum I've ever gotten on PlayStation. Because I did really? everything you can do on it. And I still need to earn a couple trophies from the DLC because you had to go on New Game Plus on the hardest difficulty. I think we're going to do that before the sequel comes out. It, it's it's special, man. I have it. I made it 40% of the way. Which is saying a lot for you. Yeah, I mean, that's basically me getting the platinum if I'm you. Yeah, no, like, it, it's... I love it. It's fantastic. It, it is so good. It is so, so good. It deserves all the praise it has gotten. Yes. And there's a reason that it's my favorite. Darren? Any guesses as to what mine is? Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that happened. Um, 
It can't be Daredevil. No. Because I already It's not it. Daredevil, but it is a television show. Oh, man. It's not Supergirl. Because mm-hmm. that was not... It's not best. anything from the Arrowverse, and it's, it's not, not superhero related. It's not superhero related. Mm-hmm. I already said Justified. That wasn't superhero That's related. That's true. I don't know. I, I, You're going to kick yourself when I tell you. Am I? Yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah, that makes sense. You do love Stranger Things. Almost a layup for this list, given that virtually everything we love is either referenced or sitting right there on the screen. Stranger Things is every fantasy I had as a kid. What's more, the central characters are kids who are the exact same age I was in the 1980s, the time period in which the show is set. Their in-world childhoods run parallel to my own. The comics, movies, toys, games, music, locales, cars, even the interior design are all the same that I grew up with. Further, the setting of Hawkins, Indiana could just as easily be a Midwestern Ohio town. All three seasons of Stranger Things are like a time capsule for my formative years. Now, there was no sizzle reel or trailer preceding the release of Stranger Things that I saw, only a Drew Sturzen-type collage poster, that, and that was all I needed. I remember seeing it for the first time and saying to myself, I don't know what this is, but I'm watching every episode of it. Here I am, and listen, I'm waxing nostalgic about a show that debuted in 2016 and appears to have at least two more seasons coming. It is a show that, after its first three seasons, does not seem to have lost anything off of its narrative fastball. Stranger Things has finished at or near the top of my What You Looking Forward To list at the each, of the each of the last years. It's the only show, movie, or game I will make time for. And I'm willing to bet it's going to be... It'd be a hard press for it not to be number one on my What You Looking Forward To list when we get to that in January again. Did you see they're making a little indie game of Stranger Things? And, and what, okay, tell me about little this. little video game. It's it's following season three. Is it really? With some little extras in it. Where, 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 what platform is this I'm going to be? You can get on pretty much anything. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it's out yet. It's. I think I saw something. It might be out. Like on Steam, right? It, it could be on Steam. I, I know it's going to be on the Switch. It might be on PS4 also. Hmm. I played the mobile game. And and I did you play that thing? Not. Oh, it was so good! Is I it? loved it. And I mean, this is obviously sixteen bit. Looks like it would be on Super Nintendo. Yeah, because the the uh, the previous one was a uh, eight bit. Yeah. So it was so good. I loved it. Like I play, it was preceding I, season two. So oh. you might want to look into this. Did you watch season three? Yeah, I watched season three. It's it knocked awesome. out in two days. It's awesome. It's so good. The show is ridiculous. Now we have to wait. Who knows how long? No, I heard the they're going to be back next summer. That's not going to be next another summer. Yeah. It needs to be Halloween, man. Come on. Come on. Let's get it's back. Like, Let's get back uh, on the original track here. No, the original track was summer. Was the first yeah, one summer? Yeah, the first one was I in July. Was, mm, I, I, miss, I didn't watch season one, like, when it came out. No. I watched, you, season, you, you one, I watched season one a month before season two came out. Yeah. It, the original, the, the first year it came out, it was in July, okay. and then they moved it to Halloween. I mean, you would definitely know better than I. So. Yeah, I, I, I remember, like, real quickly, we were on a camping trip with my in-laws, and I knew this thing was out, and I was... I, I, I wanted to watch it on my phone, but I obviously yeah. didn't want to do it. But um, I remember telling Maria, like, listen, when we get home, we're watching this. And I showed her what it was. She goes, oh, yes, we are. I, I was like, this is, this is happening, woman. I don't think I've ever been so excited about a show. Like, it's oh. crazy. I, I don't know how I forgot about it. Like, when I'm making this list, that's the problem with these lists, right? It's gone for so long, though. But, I mean, I just watched season three. Like Justin, yeah, but like look, at your, look at your list though. Spider Man, the game, yeah, no, there's a lot Captain America, there. Winter Soldier, Daredevil. Uh, I, I mean, I can see it being like an honorable mention to your honorable mentions, but I just 
that's my number one thing. Like, oh, I, I look it, forward guys. to like the anything, any news about that. It's really the only thing I'm following now that I'm like I go looking for stuff. Like, you read the comic too, right? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm caught up with that. I think I got the last issue. I missed a week because I was at Gen Con, so I just picked up the the one from last week. So I'm getting okay. to, I'm getting. To I don't it. think I've got that yet. Um, all right, all right. So going from that to favorite comics. Yes. Oh, the reason God. we're here. Yeah. And that, I mean, if there's anything that we've digested more of, I'd like to know what it is because. So this this list started with twenty items for me. Twenty. Wow. I read a lot more than anyone else on this podcast. Yes, you do. I do. So it was a struggle. I narrowed it down to four. So I have an honorable to the honorable mentions, my two That's honorable fun. mentions, and then my number one. This is again one of those things that could easily shift. However, my honorable to honorable mentions was Superior Spider-Man. Dan's, Dan Slot's run of the Freaky Friday Spider-Man. Because it shouldn't have been as good as it was. No, it's one of those things that if you say this is what if you read a synopsis, you skip it. And I mean, I need to be very clear, it is that run, not the current one. The current one is ugh, but the original one. Man, just something about it. Anyhow, yeah, Superior Spider-Man. My honorable mentions. First, Nailbiter. Yeah. I've never thought I would enjoy a horror comic. Oh, my God. That got me into picking up horror comics. Darren, you turned me on to it. I had no interest in it. And I, showed... I turned you on to read this, but be warned. You, you actually lent me the first two arcs and then I bought yeah. the third arc myself when it ended and I was like what do you mean it's over I was so mad they did seem to leave, seem to leave the door open though they did they did I don't think it's coming back however no because it sure looked like it's, it's been a while Edward Warren was yeah gone so I actually want to go and pick up the two the, the trades for the beginning oh or if they have a whole collection I would get that <sighs> but I remember you showed me the frames of them in the morgue with the lights turning on and off and at that Dude. moment, I was like, I need to read this book. I read that in broad daylight, and it freaked me out. It, that that thing is something spectacular. That's one of those things where I, you know, people who who may listen to this podcast or may not, hear like, you still read comics? I mean, I don't think people look down on it anymore. No. But then you're thinking, like, you, you have sort of have a preconceived notion of what comics are. There's no accounting for Nail Biter. I don't even remember why I picked it up, but... It had really intriguing uh, cover art. I almost I almost bought issue one just because of the cover art when yeah. it launched and I didn't and then you turned me on to it so um, so yeah that and again on that whole comic book thing why do you still read comics somebody saw me reading Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles today at work when I was mm -hmm. on break and they're like why are you reading Turtles and I just clicked over to something and there's just this brutalized mutant and they're like oh that's not for kids I was like no it is not so anyhow second runner up which was hard honorable mention um this could be interchangeable with any of his other books but i went for rick remender and jerome opena's black science mm. i've been riding the black science train almost as long as this podcast has been going yeah i've been reading it pretty much the whole time which is why i felt like that was the one instead of deadly class that deserved the slot don't get me wrong deadly class is fantastic but black science is it almost got me through the first hundred episodes of me saying, if there's a book you should be reading, it's Black Science. Yeah. Um, and it's it's winding down. Like, we're in the last, like, two issues, two or three issues. Um, boy, I don't even need to really talk about it, because if you listen to any of our other episodes, like, you know what it's about. 
but it's it's just a science book about the multiverse and how if you jump between it and make any mistakes, the whole multiverse will crumble upon itself. And it's all the fault of one guy who had too big of a head. Questionable morals, to be sure. It's very good. It is very good. And it is ending. So, Black Science is my other honorable mention. Darren? A nail-biter, a runner-up, for Ah. sure. Um, Velvet, another runner-up, for sure. Uh, My first honorable mention is a two-time selection of mine for Pick of the Year, and that's The Power of the Dark Crystal. Now, this is the unexpected rebirth I did not know I had been craving. There was so little Dark Crystal other than the original 1982 movie. There wasn't just wasn't anything else out there. I mean, there was the movie. There wasn't, like, comic books. or There was probably fan fiction, but, I mean, I don't know. There was no fan films. Like, they didn't have an ongoing, you know... It was, that was it. That was all there was. Um, I know there was a couple of manga that came out, but I, I actually picked one up. I was so excited. Obviously, that's about to change in like a week. Yeah, it's Um, It's awesome. Too bad it never made it to screen, but I'm glad we got what we did. Plus, we've got something coming at the end of the month. Yeah, I'm. Uh, Yeah, uh, did you see the trailer for that? Yeah, it looks great. Have you ever seen the original movie? It, I have, but I have it on my Amazon Prime queue right now. It's on Netflix. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, it's on there now. Oh, I saw it's on my Amazon Prime also. So yeah, I'm going to watch it again before I watch the series. Oh my god, I I didn't read the comics. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, another one runner-up: The Mercenary Sea. An uber cruel World War II noir outlaw tale that feels like Star Trek at Sea and Indiana Jones in one. is one of mine that, of course, I gushed over and immediately canceled. <laughs> uh, Phil? So my favorite, again, super struggle here. you have any guess whatsoever what it could be? <sighs> Man. Is it Marvel related? Yes. Is it Venom? It is not. Okay. I don't, then. I've talked about it already in this podcast. Matt Fraction, oh, David Aya, Hawkeye. God, that's so because good. Because, one, it is just... It doesn't make sense how it's that good. From the very first panel to the very end of it being Clint Barton, Hawkeye. It's just so, 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 so good. Um, and it surprised me, because I bought it on a whim. It was just sitting on a shelf... I had a relatively light week. That was back when I was only buying like three books a week. Mm-hmm. And I I saw it sitting there. It looked kind of lonely on the shelf. Had a kind of a cool looking cover. I flipped it open and looked at some of the interior art. And I was like, okay, I'll give it an issue. I reread that thing like three times mm-hmm. in a row after I bought it. Because one, it was a quick read. Because it wasn't super dialogue heavy, that first issue. There are other issues in that run. The... Um, one with the dog in which it had no words in the whole thing and it just followed the whole thing. Good old Lucky. That was... I showed you that one. Oh, right? I read. You You let yeah. me all of them. Oh, yeah, right. You I did read, read, read the run. That issue just did something to... I don't know why. It was just such good storytelling through art. And I don't know. There's, there's just something about following a superhero without powers who's just kind of on the street level. I think I related to it because I like... Some of my favorite like Spider-Man stories are when he's just on the street level yeah. and not necessarily fighting the big bad. And that's all that was, was him on the street level not fighting the big bad. And it just hit me in the right spot because I didn't like the way that Hawkeye was interpreted in the films. And that was right after the first Avengers movie came out, actually, when uh, yeah. Hawkeye launched. And it was just such a different approach to the character. And 
he had the right level of comedy, but there's obviously something sad about him inside. And I don't know. It's, is it confirmed that the TV show Hawkeye is going to be done in that style? I know you no. mentioned it earlier, but it's not confirmed. It's not confirmed. I would imagine that because I know I've seen Jeremy Renner state, you know, his he's he's been kind of hot and cold on his involvement. And I would imagine if they say we're doing a TV series and gave him the comics and said this is what we're doing with it, and he 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 would have to go, oh my god, I'm in. There's also the slight rumor that that TV show might be Kate Bishop Hawkeye also. Well, yeah, I mean they would, so, they could both be in it, right? They could. So I I don't know, but I mean, and Kate Bishop played a huge role in the Matt Fraction run also, sure. but. That, honestly, talking about it right now, I might dig it out and reread the whole... Uh, yeah, so I mean, I should do that as a retro review at some point. We're getting to the Yeah, leading up to the started. TV show. Yeah. Why not? Man, it's just... We gotta get Tim to read it then. Ooh, he would love it. Tim, what should you be reading? Well, that could Hawkeye. be... Yeah, just, just, I'll, I'll concede this month. Go ahead and read this. Yeah, right. She just needs to be real careful that first issue. That bad boy's worth something now. That's a first printing, buddy. Go get find. I yeah, what I used to do is find a second printing on eBay or something. Yeah, but no, that thing. Oh man! And like I said, it was a hard pick. But when I seriously just closed my eyes and was like, "What was something that I gushed about the whole run?" That never had a moment that I was like, "This right. isn't worth reading." And it was and a that, lengthy one too. Not something that was no. Like, it wasn't super short because the Black Science. Remember, there was a part there when I was like cold on it. Yes, yeah, so you almost dropped. it. I almost dropped point. it because it didn't it ended make up sense. In a, Pile yeah, and then and then it like circled around. But Hawkeye, the whole time I was like, another great issue, another great issue, another great issue. You should be reading this. Why are none of you reading? so much so that when I was I was like, fractions runs done. You're like, can I borrow it? I was like, I'll bring it next time. It's just it's so. If you have not read this thing for some reason, you can probably grab a trade from the library for free. Yeah, at this point, yes. I, I think would... actually it might be a, a free thing um, if you do the comicsology. Uh, Unlimited, I think you can read the beginning of it for under under that uh, subscription. So just find it if you've not read it. You and you like comic books, you're doing a disservice to yourself. Yep, because it's just that good. Darren, any guesses? Now I have something in mind, but for some reason I can't remember the name of it. It was something that got canceled. Yeah, of course, out of nowhere. Right. It was supposed to come back so much so that I gave you a free comic book day. Yeah, you got it. You just I don't can't remember, remember the name, the name of it. it. Finding Gossamer. Finding Gossamer. I knew that's I, what I it still, was. I knew what it was. It was so good, Darren. Yeah, it was. I still feel the loss of this one. This is my very first pick of the year when we started the, the end of the year awards. And we were told the story would continue beginning in the fall of 2014, but nothing has emerged. Listen, I, here's what I wrote about it when I selected it as my favorite title of the year in 2013. With a gluttonous amount of fantasy titles in comics, gaming, and movies, making a distinguished fantasy title is well sh- uh, short of a solid bet. Though Third World Studios has found in Finding Gossamer a synergistic work of art. David A. Rodriguez writes, Sarah Ellerton illustrates, and colors the best-looking book in production today. The story centers around Jenna and her mathematically gifted but socially closed-off brother, Denny. Jenna has been the primary caregiver to Denny and is attempting to register him for school to help him develop that gift when the story sweeps them into the realm of Gossamer. In Gossamer, Denny's gifts manifest themselves as would-be mysticism. This makes young Denny the wielder of great power, which, along with a sudden transportation to another realm, concerns Jenna. The relationships between Jenna and Denny is a heartwarming tale that reaches across two realms of existence as often painful decisions are made. The supporting characters form their own complex relationships with the pair and find themselves in an age-old struggle against oppression, 
from a more powerful enemy. In a sea of violence and sex that dominates all entertainment mediums and, sadly, reality, this all-ages comics hits every right note and is a feast for the eyes as well as the mind. It is the reason for participating in a hobby such as this. You want to be transported, however briefly, to another time or place and experience something magical. See something you've never seen before and marvel at the artistry. Having wrapped up their first story arc earlier that year in 2013, they did claim they would be back but it's been silent since that free comic book day that you, f you thankfully gave me. And it doesn't look like anything is ever coming back. It's been five years, right? Yeah, I think it's probably time. long since gone. And I mean, I loved it too. You lent it to me after after the, that first arc, and it was, it was. It was something special. Yeah. And it's just, it's so sad. Oh, man. Take a breather, yeah. Yeah, man, this is, uh, all right, that's part one of episode 100. So we're going to cheat a little bit. We're going to have part... One and part two of episode 100, so stay tuned for that probably a week at a week from now. Yeah, right? something like that. We got, uh, well, well, here's what we have coming. Um, we're going to talk about, after having spoken about what our big, our favorites are, we're going to talk about what is the one surprise, biggest surprise since, since this podcast yeah, since began. This. We're also going to talk about what we would like to see before we hit episode 200 of the panel scanners and um we've got a packed fall with our you have next month's retroactive review and then tim's got it for batman and then because we're batman special standing in for our halloween special yes and then our final presumably i sure hope so final star wars special <laughs> will stand in for our holiday special and i come hell or high water i'm going to finish off marvel's original run of Star Wars comics. Yeah, you have fun with that. Yeah, uh, and I'll have my final retroactive review of the Star Wars comics, which you can go ahead and check out our Star Wars special. Uh, first one in December 2015, the second one in December of 2017. And if you want to hear those uh, retroactive reviews, it's not gone well. No. For those comics. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks as episode 100 continues. But until then, enjoy your comics.